I'm Alexis Dion. And I'm Chelsea. And we're the co-hosts of High Priority, a podcast where we ask industry experts the tough questions about the past, present, and future of the cannabis industry. Another wonderful episode of High Priority. My God, I am kind of like geekishly excited about today's episode, Chelsea. Yeah. Um, just because we always like talk to people who, you know, really inspire us and, and help us kind of look at the industry through a different lens. Mm-hmm. And the wonderful lady that we're going to have on the show today by the name of Martine Pierre mm-hmm. falls into that category of someone who is just so unique and has like really crafted out her own kind of niche in the cannabis industry. And I'm really interested in hearing more about her story. Yeah, absolutely. And especially since she reached out to Rosie and was just like, hey, love Pot to Popular um, and kind of just introed herself, shot her shot, I guess. And we liked what she was putting out there um, as like the founder. We picked it up. Yep, we put it up. <laughs> we picked it up. She was putting it out there. We picked it up and we saw what Canolution was all about and now she's going to come on and talk to us about her very interesting educational platform. Yes. So she is the founder of Canolution, which is basically an app that connects uh, black and brown entrepreneurs in the cannabis space with advocates and people who can help with funding. Um, And that's something that we really don't talk too much about, just like in terms of marketing that is within cannabis. You know, everyone is talking about a dispensary or, you know, cultivation or social equity, but like no one really kind of talks about like the marketing side. Right. And I think what's really cool about Canolution is that it's it's supposed to be this one stop shop resource for like, you know, science education, like understanding how the plant works, understanding like how to start your business. I think there are so many aspiring entrepreneurs who see cannabis blowing up and they're like, oh, my God, I want to get in on this. But so much of the information is either not complete or it's super outdated or, you know, it's just like, how do you even start if you want to be a part of this world and you don't know anyone else? Um, and hopefully Canolution will be that entry point, which is so cool. Yeah. And I, I think it's kind of amazing that like she basically started this app just by a tweet going viral. Yes. Like, <laughs> like, I, like, I don't think people really understand the impact that you can make using social media. Like she took advantage of a situation. She saw an opening, she took advantage of a situation. And now you have this app that is connecting black and brown people from all over the Mm -hmm. world. Yeah, and I think that is just a significant lesson in like, yes, shooting your shot and like really just like putting yourself out there. You never know who else might be interested in pursuing the same thing you wanna do. You don't know who else might help you. Like what's that saying? Closed mouths don't get fed or something. Like you mm-hmm. just one of my yeah, favorite. You have to like say what you want, and I think more oftentimes than not, the universe will like bring it back to you and reward that. So yeah, I think there's definitely a lesson to be learned there. And she started, you know, she started this platform really with a digital marketing background, like not in a plant touching capacity in any way. And she was able to build this platform using her own skills and 
it really speaks to how there is a space for pretty much every skill in this industry, which I don't think you see in a lot of other sectors. I agree. And because the industry is still growing and it's still evolving and it's still lucrative, right? There is space for Mm -hmm anybody to come in this now. According to Headset, one of um, our clients and the leader of cannabis data, uh, they have said that U.S. cannabis sales are predicted to reach $28 billion in 2022. So if that's just the U.S. alone, just imagine how much this industry is predicted to scale globally, right? Definitely. Yeah. And Yes, it's it's like kind of popping up more in Europe now. Obviously, there is Canada, but like it's happening in, you know, Australia, New Zealand, parts of Africa, even Israel. Like, I think we also want to stress to our listeners that there are so many opportunities just outside of North America. Right. And they could totally take advantage of that if that is a region that interests them. Like, don't limit yourself to just I guess, what they see and like what the bright, shining objects are in front of them. I agree. And I'm really curious to hear um, more about Martine's thoughts on Haiti. She is um, of Haitian Mm -hmm. descent. And I think that there might be some really cool opportunities in cannabis and hemp in Haiti. And I would like to hear, you know, her thoughts on what those opportunities look like and how, you know, she intends to kind of like help her country out um, in this way and seeing what other, you know, things we can kind of pick up from her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that conversation around general generational wealth is so important. And, um, you know, seeing her interest in taking that to even like, you know, new regions is very interesting. So, yes, I totally agree with you. And maybe, you know, whatever she kind of puts out there in terms of what she plans to do with Haiti, I can then take that back and see if I can do something with Guyana and we can just have Mm. like, you know, everybody around here doing stuff for their nations, for their countries. Right. Like we can just start this revolution. Right. Look at that. Cannabis healing the world. Who knew? (laughs) This is the future I want to live in. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. I'm excited. So yeah, let's just go ahead and do this. Um, let's talk to Martine Pierre, uh, CEO of Canolution. All right. So welcome, Martine. Oh my gosh, we're so yes, we're so happy to have you on here. Um, you have had an incredibly unique origin story that encompasses yachting marketing to going viral on Twitter last year. So can you share a little bit more about your career path and what ultimately compelled you to launch Catalution? Sure, so um, in about 2017, I got my MBA. I really was supposed to be a lawyer. So I was supposed to go to law school Mm. and I graduated with my BA in philosophy. And I really wanted to go into law. Like I thought I was gonna do corporate law. That was my thing for like the entire time before I graduated. I ended up having an internship with the federal government working for the Department of Homeland Security. And it was nothing but a bunch of attorneys that were working there who had their JDs. They couldn't pass, a lot of them couldn't pass like their, um, they couldn't get their um, their final law license. They couldn't get the, Mm -hmm. um, they couldn't pass the bar. So, 
I'm there. I'm like, these people are so goddamn miserable. I don't want to be here. I don't want to be a lawyer. This sucks. So like literally the day I was supposed to go take my LSAT, I like legit sat in the parking lot and I was like, screw this. It's not for me. Like I'm, I'm out. Wow. Um, I took a year. I took a break. I quit my job and I went to Africa. <laughs> oh, so you pulled a Dave Chappelle. Got it. <laughs> it's amazing. Um, yeah, I quit my job because I was working for the university. I was working for the university that I was at. And I quit mm. my job when I was in my last semester of my MBA. And I was like, you know what? F it. I'm going to have an eat, pray, love year in the mama Africa. Um, I went to Egypt. I spent like a day in Ethiopia and I went to Uganda. Love wow. Egypt. Love, love, love Egypt. Absolutely loved my entire trip in Africa. I went with my friends. Came back. I was like, all right, girl, you had a long break. You got to make some decisions. So I ended up getting my MBA. I went and got my MBA with a concentration in marketing. So I started working for a yachting luxury firm right after I got out of school. Um, I worked for them for about three years. They're right here in Fort Lauderdale. Absolutely love them. Shout out to Select Yachts and my girls over there. Um, <laughs> but um, I started feeling like the urge, like, oh my God, like I wanna do something else. I wanna do something different. So mm -hmm. like the second year that I started working in marketing, I also started taking on gigs. In 2019, I opened up a marketing agency and I just pretty much started taking on gigs underneath my marketing agency so that I can increase my income. I literally took my income from like 2000 a month to like almost eight grand a month. And wow. in doing that, okay. <laughs> in doing that, it really allowed me to to have time to take on different gigs. And I ended up getting a gig in the cannabis industry. And that was when I realized like an, a light bulb went in my head, like, oh snap, mm -hmm. you can take your current skills and transfer them into this industry. Because mm -hmm. I've always wanted to be in the cannabis industry, but I just never had like that real opportunity. So this is like in 2018 when I started that gig. As soon mm -hmm. as I started that gig, the first thing I started realizing was like, damn, ain't no black people here, ain't no, ain't no Asians here, ain't no Latinos uh -oh. here, ain't no women here. And I mean, like, across mm -hmm. the boards, there's no women, there's no minorities in leadership, in marketing material, and this is 2018, so it's gotten mm -hmm. a little better now, but... Yeah. It literally was all this skater dude and a white man with dreads. <laughs> and I'm like, that don't relate to me because I'm not a white man with dreads. Like, when you that. said skater dude, I literally just thought about the the Avril Lavigne song. It was a skater boy. Skater boy. <laughs> That's my song. I love you some Avril Lavigne. Yeah, don't knock on I skater know. boy, but I, I know where you're going. Avril. <laughs> that is my girl. But like, I was just over it. I'm like, yo. I know I'm not the only person that smoked weed. Every single person I know, everybody smokes weed. So why <laughs> is everything that is targeted towards cannabis consumers only white men? Mm -hmm. I was like, I was very confused. And this is 2018. Right. Flash forward to 2020. Um, I think Candolution happened because of the timing. It's not that I've never had this idea because I had an idea of starting a website at first. This was like literally mm -hmm. 2016 for black and brown people, but moreover, specifically black and brown women, because we're not represented at all in this industry. So 2020 comes around, there's a lot going on with Black Lives Matters movement because of George Floyd. And mm -hmm. I feel like it 
it was like the perfect storm because a lot of us, especially in the black community, especially African-Americans were like, yo, we over this. If you want our dollar and you want our money, you need to treat us better. And that means treating us better in our work culture. That means actually having people inside of your organizations that look like me and not telling me you have diversity, but your board of directors is all white men. That's not diversity to me. And that's what we see in the cannabis industry. A lot of these companies have come out and they do these feel good programs for social equity. And I'm like, bro, look at your board of directors. That's where you start. You need to, in order for this industry to change, it has to change from within. Mm -hmm. And that was one of the first things that I realized. So this tweet goes viral and all I pretty much asked because like I had, I was doing so much research during this time from 2016 up until that time in 2020. And I was like literally lost in a web online, always looking for information about the cannabis industry, but the, it's so outdated. Like nothing's in order. If you're an average person, you won't understand half the stuff that's online about entering the cannabis industry. Cause it's, mm -hmm. so, so it's very confusing. So I started this tweet. I'm like, yo, I want to start a Slack group. I want to help more black men and women get into the cannabis industry. If you're interested in joining me, holla at me, like just send me a tweet back. I'm thinking only mm -hmm. two or three people are going to respond. No, we had like over 2000 responses on wow. the thread. And I had like Fun. thousands of DMs. <laughs> and majority of the DMs that I were getting was a lot from people who are already in the industry. And they was like, mm -hmm. hey, I love what you're doing. How can I help? What can I do? So the minute it goes viral, I'm like, yo, it's too many people writing me right now. So my marketing brain kicks in. I build this funky, ugly landing page <laughs> <laughs> because I'm like, yo, y'all got to stop writing me. I, I cannot keep up with the amount of people that I was getting so much people writing me, telling me. And I wasn't just getting people from the United States who were writing me. I oh, had wow. hella people in Africa. I had people in Germany. I had people in Lesotho telling me, hey, wow. it's not equitable here either. There's a lot of Canadians who are coming into Africa. How can Africa possibly be a black continent and the people who own it aren't black? Mm, that's real. Like, I'm sorry. Like, where, how, where, how did we get here? Like, mm -hmm. how did we get here? And my biggest fear is that if, we do not do something, which is why, like, I created Candolution to begin with. Like, if we don't put a white flag in the ground and be like, yo, this is ours. This belongs to us. The same way Christopher Columbus thought he could come here and, you know, <laughs> it is that this is. Like, if we don't put a white flag in the ground and be like, yo, we own this. This belongs to us. We're going to get left out. You already mm -hmm. see people having conversations from Amazon. You already see Uber. Yeah. Canada. Yeah serving up weed with your- It was only a matter of time. Mm -hmm. It's only a matter yeah. of time. So how much time do we really have to wait on these social equity programs, which I'm not bashing social equity, but a lot of it hasn't worked out. Mm -hmm. Right now in Oakland, y'all are suing your social equity applicants. How is that equitable? That's wild. Oh my God. It's embarrassing yeah. actually. It is embarrassing. It's extremely embarrassing. 
It's like, how is this possibly equitable? So it has to be something that's done, not just on a United States scale, but on a global scale when you're talking about equity for the cannabis industry. This industry is technically, as Mike Lamoto of um, NCIA would say, it's still in the womb. It's not mm -hmm. even in its infancy. And because mm -hmm. it's still in the womb, I feel as though this is our chance right now for black and brown people to really build generational wealth. They're saying that African-Americans are not gonna have any wealth, our wealth are gonna be at zero by 2053. That's not the legacy that I'm leaving my mm -hmm. children. I refuse. And if anybody else feels that same way, like you gonna make it do what it do, baby. <laughs> I love it. She's leading the way. Definitely respect that, yeah. Absolutely. Um, and I know in previous interviews, you've discussed really the importance of Black and Latino individuals having ownership in the cannabis industry, and that is one of your main goals through Canolution. So in your own words, how would you define what that real ownership looks like in the cannabis business community? I think ownership looks, ownership comes in many different ways, right? I think a lot of us, we think of ownership and we think that, oh my God, I have to start a company myself and I have to build this from the ground up, but that's not the case. Literally wealth is built in this country by people investing pre-IPO into companies. Mm -hmm. You don't have to be the person that's doing the day-to-day -day operations in order to have ownership. And to be quite frank, not everybody should be an owner. I don't think everybody should be a business owner. So there's other ways that you can have ownership in this industry, whether that is owning cannabis stocks, ETFs and cannabis are hot right now. Hell, I even see they have psychedelic ETFs now. There are so many different ways that you can create wealth in this industry and have ownership. And it doesn't have to explicitly be you owning a business that you started. No, that's real. Um, and on high priority, we've spoken to many guests in the past who have highlighted the importance of bridging knowledge gaps to make the industry more accessible. And fortunately, more educational resources have emerged in the past year. What makes Canolution different from existing cannabis companies or educational resources? So one of the first things that I realized about a lot of the cannabis education sources that are out here, a lot of them are geared towards people going into the cannabis workforce. Now, I'm not saying I don't want people to be in the cannabis workforce or to start a career in cannabis, but for me, ownership and creating diversity it starts with you actually being the person at the top and owning. At the end of the day, it's all cutesy, but if you don't, if you're not that person at the top that are making the decisions, you're not going to see it trickle down within the company. That's why so many of these companies, they're ran by these white men, and you can tell because the marketing is bland. Um, everything that you guys are doing, you do it, and it, it's a resemblance of you. You're, it looks like you. The products you create are for people like you. You're not thinking of outside the box. You're not thinking about other people. And let's keep it real. Like, we know that diverse teams win. Look at Popeyes. <laughs> Very Popeyes true. Won, Popeyes won the chicken war. Because people are still women. talking about those chicken sandwiches. Still. Come on. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? If it wasn't a black woman that was tweeting for Popeyes, and Black Twitter blew it up, which let's be real, like Black Twitter really is where it's at. 
Yeah, mm-hmm. a lot of these companies make hundreds of thousands of dollars because they blow up from Black Twitter. BuzzFeed yep. would not exist without Black Twitter. Let's keep it 100. A lot mm-hmm. of these little meme media type companies would not exist without Black and brown people being at the forefront of culture and the trending topics and news. The memes we come out with, like, we funny. Like, I'm sorry, like, like we're <laughs> funny people. We're great people to be around. And we create great things. So for me, what I feel like is our biggest difference is one, we're a mobile application. A lot of companies are not mobile applications. One of the things that I said is that the work that we're doing is far too important to be deleted. So we can't have Mm. this expectation of Facebook and Instagram who are constantly deleting Instagrams and Facebook accounts for cannabis brands. Yes. We can't be at their Mm -hmm. mercy. I mean, our clients alone are just livid Mm -hmm. about that. We, yeah. We've had a few clients who've had yeah, to do yeah. that. The, the ones who don't even like sell it either. They are like, you know, educational platforms that it happens. Yep. Heavily targeted. You're heavily targeted by Instagram and Facebook. And a lot of these companies rely on these platforms because I'm not saying that websites are dead, but websites are dead these days. Mm-hmm. Most people aren't going onto a website every single time they want to find something. What do you mm-hmm. go to first? I go to Google. Mm-hmm. The first thing you think about when you want to find something is you go to Google. If you're looking for a company, you go to their social media and then you That's end true. up on their website. Yeah. You're not going to their websites directly all the time. So I'm like, you know what? We have to have an app because this is what's going to, one, keep us from being deleted Two, also give us the opportunity to build a community that is so strong that it's. You can't mess with it. Like, you can't play with it. You, Because mm. at the end of the day, we can build a little country. When you think about Facebook, that's why Facebook always in Congress. Because they, if Facebook is like a little country. If mm-hmm. Catalution ends up blowing up and we got 10 million people who are subscribers, that's a country. And that holds power. And there's power in numbers. So mm-hmm. us building an app is one of the biggest, most significant differences that we have from other platforms. I love that. I like how your brain works. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like I'm getting like a little marketing 101. Right? Somewhere just by talking to you. Taking notes. I know. Um, and so I guess talking about the app, obviously you come from a, a digital marketing background. You're a great marketer. Uh, you probably didn't learn how to code in grad school. So how did you tackle building this app? And what support networks did you lean into while um, developing this platform? Sure. So we're still in development. So one of the first things that I did was before I even, so we literally built the app around the audience from that viral tweet. So, Mm -hmm. because to me, a lot of times you see companies, so I pretty much reverse engineered this entire company. A lot of times people create the product first and then they go out and they start looking for the audience, but we already Mm -hmm. had the audience from the viral tweet. So I started doing a lot of, for months, I was surveying. I was surveying people. I even started a Facebook group, just a tiny one, just to start getting an idea of what these people needs are. One of the biggest things I've noticed in cannabis is you can tell that these people aren't listening to their consumers. And I listen to my consumers. I listen to the people who I'm going to serve because at the end of the day, they're going to be the ones who are keeping us alive. So when we started building out the application, and of course, you know, I'm not a perfectionist, but 
every time somebody comes back and be like, hey, I think this is something that you should have, we go back to the drawing board and we are looking like different ways that we can enhance the user experience because let's be real, education is an experience. And mm-hmm. that's another thing I will say too, a lot of the com- a lot of these companies that have anything related to education is very boring. I went through school for the last 10 years and a lot of it is boring. I don't know how many of you guys have Udemy courses sitting inside of your stuff right now that you ain't even finished, mm-hmm. that you bought for $10, <laughs> that still that still got like 20 modules left because it's boring like who wants to sit there and watch that for like 20 mm-hmm. hours mm-hmm. to learn something and i'm not saying that it doesn't work for some people but it doesn't work for everyone and mm-hmm. we don't want to be that boring company that's doing the udemy style courses at all i feel that because that would be boring for me <laughs> it's boring for me it's definitely yeah. boring for me yeah, and I, I think that's a great way to really make things actually accessible, right? I, th- I don't think it's just like that barrier to entry in terms of cost. It's like, can people actually stay engaged? And I think, I don't I don't think I've heard a lot about that. So that's very interesting. Exactly. People aren't engaged. Like you can engage someone thinking, first of all, cannabis is a wide topic. Mm-hmm. And then when you get into business, I'm, I'm of the opinion that before you even get into this business, which is why we have two sides of the app, we're also gonna be talking the science of cannabis. You should mm. understand the science of cannabis and how it works in your body and how it will work in your consumer's body. You, you, if you tell me you don't know what the endocannabinoid system is and you tell me you wanna own a business in this, think again, bucko. I think you <laughs> No, for real, like, yo, like people think this industry is a game. And at the end of the day, I always tell people like, this is medicine first. Yeah, like definitely we smoke it recreationally because we want to but there's a lot of people who depend on this for medicine mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. medicinal purposes mm-hmm. you need to be maintaining the integrity of this plant if you want to come into this industry and have a business especially a thriving one well speaking of people trying to come in and start a business since your company connects business owners with corporate and private funding What's your process of vetting and onboarding these funding resources? And are you looking for partners that abide by a certain set of values or social equity commitments before you partner with them? So um, we recently partnered with um, Canacraft. We did a white paper with them. One of the things I look at, like vetting, the vetting process, that's not me. Like I'm Mm. not a finance person. My CFO, my managing partner, she's the person who's handling all of that. Me personally, however, I will say we want to align with companies that believe in our core values, which is creating wealth, generational wealth for black and brown families through cannabis entrepreneurship. That's our mission. That's our core value. That's our core business. And if you don't align with that, then you don't align with us. Like, we don't need your money. Would it be nice? Of course. Mm -hmm. But not all money is good money at the end of the day. You're not going to come into this establishment and think that you're going to be doing this just so that, oh, look at us. We're working with this company and we believe in social equity and then turn back around and you're not in favor of laws that make this make this industry equitable or you turn back around and your board of directors is has no women, no person of color like. You know, it's obvious. Some some people are a little bit more obvious than others, of course. But um, I think we just want to be with good people, be a good person. 
Like we just want to deal with good people who understand what our mission is, who understand what we're trying to do here. I'm Haitian American. You know, every time I always tell people like I rep for Haiti 365. That's where I come from. But Haiti right now is in turmoil Mm -hmm. and it's been in turmoil for a very long time. About um, about a year ago, I read this blog post about how hemp can change lives in Haiti and hemp should Mm -hmm. be something that becomes a cash crop in Haiti. Mm-hmm. And that's why I really like I became even more passionate about wanting to create wealth within the black and brown diaspora through cannabis, because it's true. One the one, the one thing that I realized is that a lot of these companies aren't utilizing the whole plant. Hip has over 25,000 uses. If wow. it's a cash crop in wow. a country that's already an agricultural type of country, there's no reason for it not to thrive. And then as laws continue to grow and become more robust and laws are opening up the border so that you can import and export weed, Haiti is in a central place where they can do a lot of business within the hemp and medical cannabis realm. And it definitely, I mean, literally I just had, perfect example, I literally just had family who was underneath the Del Rio bitch. Mm-hmm. And I had people tell me, wow, in 2021, you have family like that? I'm like, yes. You Do you think that just because I'm first generation and I moved here that I don't have family that's in Haiti, that stomachs right. are touching their backs? And there's only so mm-hmm. much that I can do in the United States because I'm in student loan debt. You know, the mm-hmm. degrees weren't free. So what are other things that I can do to ensure like, hey, we can start creating some type of wealth, some type of normalcy for people on a global scale through cannabis. Because at the end of the day, this plant is sacred and this plant has so many opportunities for black and brown people to really grow. And that's what I'm really excited about. Just seeing third world countries, look what crypto is doing for people in third world countries. You got crypto millionaires overnight from them taking good coins. You know what I'm saying? Like the Mm -hmm. times are changing. The times are changing. And like the time is now for people to really mobilize and strategize. Wow. Amen to that. Yeah. I mean, I really hope there is like a future where Canolution deploys funds into Haiti and you can build that generational wealth. I'm going to manifest that for you right now. And that's just the beginning, I know. right? I mean, that's a great <laughs> idea. Like, I feel like there are all these companies like giving out like micro loans to like, I don't know, do whatever. But like, this is like a very tangible thing that can mm-hmm. is very like, you know, realistic. So that's awesome. It's extremely realistic. And I think a lot of people don't like we're so used to looking at things at a linear approach. And um for me, I always look at things from the perspective of the person on the other side. Mm-hmm. And that's how I built Canolution. I built it around our community. They told me what they needed. They told me what they're going through. And I said, I bet. <laughs> you said, I'm Burger King, have it your way. That's, that's what you said. It I get it. Much. I was like, bet. I love mm-hmm. it. So for any corporations out there, like established MSOs, big brands who finally have their act together and they actually want to play a role in investing their funds and resources into creating a more equitable industry, partnering with you or any other organizations, what do you believe at this point are the most effective and urgent initiatives they should be uh, investing in right now? I think 
we should see more multi-state operators creating strategic partnerships with legacy operators. Because mm. at the end of the day, we get plenty of celebrity brands. Yeah, I'm going to respect the brand that you guys put out with the dude who was in jail for the last 10 years for weed. Yeah. And he's going to be much more of a success story in my eyes than you putting out a celebrity, another celebrity brand of weed. I'm not saying mm-hmm. I'm tired of seeing it. You know, if Beyonce come through. I love me some Beyonce. <laughs> hey, <dude. laughs> yes, but what's going to be I mean, more effective? I see what you're saying. What's going to be more effective? Like, how do you if you want your money to go and then celeb- what do celebrities know about weed? If you if you're starting a brand with somebody that's been in this industry just because they have, I hate when people say the illicit market. No, baby, they're not illicit. They were here before you. They mm-hmm. were selling this before you. You just got lucky and you got funding. So that's let's true. not even go there. So mm-hmm. check your privilege at the door when you go and you call these people who are selling weed. I love my weed man, baby. And at the end of the day, <laughs> my relationship with my weed man is not the same relationship that I have with a butt tender because my yeah. weed man delivers too. Mm-hmm. And sometimes he brings snacks or gives me a little <laughs> extra. <laughs> You know, if I can find a weed man that will deliver me flaming hot, you know, yeah. with my weed, that's that's awesome. You know, sometimes he added little gummies. Like you don't get that type of service at a dispensary. No. You don't get that type of relate. You don't build that type of relationship at a dispensary. Mm-hmm. So, if MSOs want to thrive and they want to see their company like do really, really well, you should be partnering with people in the legacy market. To me, that's the smartest way for you to be putting your funds somewhere. And hopefully you'll be vetting them through Canalution because that's exactly what we want to end up doing. We want mm-hmm. to be building that bridge between the legacy market and corporate cannabis. Hmm. I love that. Awesome. I mean, yeah, you guys are the connectors. And I kind of want to stay on this topic of funding because I think it's very important for our listeners. Um, many industry stakeholders are pushing for Congress to finally pass the Safe Banking Act, right? Even though the bill's main purpose isn't to help entrepreneurs of color, proponents of the bill say that BIPOC founders will still benefit from mainstream banking access. But given the discriminatory practices of financial institutions, do you think passing safe will actually make a difference? No. We had Mm. PPP and black owners still wasn't getting money from a federal government program. How many Mm. big banks discriminated against black and brown businesses during the pandemic and were denied? No, it's not going to change anything. And I see so many of these MSO people you know, making this big hoopla about it and coming after Senator Booker and Schumer and all these other things. And it's like, bro, if they don't put in safeguards to make sure that black and brown people are going to have access to this funding, it's not going to happen. Like, Mm -hmm. let's stop being around the bush. We know that America has a nasty, ugly stain that is never going away. And that is systemic racism. Racism is in everything that you do. You literally see all the time where black and brown people are trying to get their homes appraised and the appraisal is much lower than the counterparts of the white people who are doing it. So when Mm -hmm. you look at racism from a systemic point and you look at it from a long term point, Mm -hmm. a lot of these people are thinking that, oh, the banks are going to do the right thing. No, they're not. No, they're Mm -hmm. not. Because the bias is already inside of them. 
Well, then what's the alternative then? So like if BIPOC founders can't secure capital from banks, what other fundraising strategies can they pursue then? I think that what needs to happen, especially when it comes to social equity, is that funds need to be created that are directly for these particular people. I mean, mm-hmm. you just see, you saw that Jay-Z created the $10 million fund for right. the parent company. Yep. They recently mm-hmm. just invested into Josephine and Billy's, which I think is a phenomenal idea. Amazing. And mm-hmm. they also invested into Peaks, which is Jesse. Like, I mm-hmm. think when you look at it from that perspective, those are going to be the easiest ways for black and brown people to get funding. Because if it's going to have to go through a bank, it's not happening. I just don't see it. The bias is already clear. Mm-hmm. It's already there. And then they're going to come and be like, oh, well, you're not making enough money for in order for you to get this. How can I? Because I never got the proper funding that I needed to begin with. Mm-hmm, and how right. am I going to compete with Chad that just got $3 million? Not Chad. <laughs> oh, yeah. We've seen a lot of Chads. <laughs> how am I going to compete with Chad? Medman fumbled a bag. Medman literally fumbled a bag and yeah. then came back around and they said they're going to inject Medman with $100 million. How does that happen, right? How does that happen? Black and brown people, when it comes to VC funding, we get less than 1%. When you think about black women, black women get less than 0.006% of VC funding. Out of $166 billion that was given in 2020, black women, only 93 black women raised more than $1 million. So when somebody is trying to tell me, oh, it's gonna change everything. Sure, Bob. (laughs) And, you know, I just got like a visual, like if someone gave me less than 0.006% of weed, I'd be very upset. How about you? Right. So it's like, how do you think that that's going to be beneficial to anyone? So I, I get mm-hmm. your point. And I'm really thankful that like you have these statistics because yeah. it, I think it hits harder for our audience when they can hear like this. These are the actual figures. This is not like a blanketed statement we're making. Like, here's the facts. Here are the numbers. You can look it up for yourself. Yeah. And the fact that these are mainstream funding numbers, not even like cannabis funding numbers, yeah. that just makes it uh, all the more depressing because like, you know, mm-hmm. we're a smaller segment compared to like the greater market. And that's just fucking sucks. Exactly. I mean, um, and. I know that you alluded to this earlier, but uh, you and Canacraft came out with this white paper um, that talked about 50 ancillary businesses that aspiring entrepreneurs can start without a license. And I think this resource is really important because if you don't have that funding or if you're in a state like Florida where you have to be vertically integrated and need a ton of cash to do that, um, that's not accessible to you, right? So from your conversations with potential business owners, people who want to be on the Canolution app, what opportunities would you say are the most lucrative but commonly overlooked? Exactly what I'm doing, cannabis technology. Mm -hmm. I think cannabis technology is widely overlooked. A lot Mm -hmm. of us look at this industry and we'd be like, oh, the first thing people wanna do when they think about cannabis, I wanna grow weed. Right, Mm -hmm. I wanna own a dispensary. I want to own a dispensary. And it's like, baby, them the cute parts of cannabis, but they don't make no money. Especially as the laws are not in their favor right now without banking. These companies, a lot of these MSOs are going to end up being bought out. We've seen what happened with in Florida. 
right now in Florida, what are all these companies doing so that they can get a piece of the pie? Because Florida is an attractive market and I'm in Miami right now. Like, who don't want to come to Miami and smoke a joint on a beach, baby? Like, it's Miami. <laughs> you know, Miami is its own state. We don't we don't acknowledge Florida. We don't know that girl. Um, so I've heard. <laughs> we don't know that girl. Miami is its own state, its own country. Like, we really do not acknowledge Florida. But um, I think cannabis technology is widely overlooked. Mm-hmm. Archaeology, you know, when you look at the archaeological part of it, you're missing out. You're missing out on so much when it comes to technology because at the end of the day, when the dust settles and there's no more laws that's hindering us, we're federally legal, mm-hmm. a lot of these companies aren't gonna survive. But you know who is gonna survive? The tech companies. They're gonna survive because they are a need and not a want. Everything in this world starts with what? Education. You cannot do nothing that you don't know. So Canolution just might be here for the next 100 years and your favorite MSO or favorite um, brand may not because the reality is as times continue to change, more and more people are going to be looking at weed like, all right, it's everywhere. It's Let's be real. Like, do you smoke mids? It's either most consumers are either buying really, really cheap weed the most that they can get or they're buying the most expensive they feel it fancy so they they buying the telfar of weed mm, right right, you know right. What I'm saying? <laughs> and it's like if you want to be the cvs of weed you have to have hundreds of thousands of millions of dollars because it's the cvs of weed so you looking like the walmart of weed but if you're trying to be the next telfar baby you know what i'm saying like Mm-hmm. You got to put in work. You have to create a brand that is recognizable and that people want to see every single day. And even if your weed is mid and it ain't that great, you know what's going to save you? The brand. Mm, because that's, that's what's saving a lot of these companies. The brand. Because the, the weed ain't that great for some of these companies. I still love, that's why I still go to my weed, man. <laughs> I, see, I see what you're saying. And, mm-hmm. and it's it's interesting that like, we're on this point because my next question is going back to the marketing strategy. So you mentioned like, if you want to be the CVS or the Telfar or whatever, like what marketing strategy specifically do you think will translate well between the mainstream industries and cannabis? Like what, what strategy in particular do you think event works marketing. on that? Event you said marketing. event marketing. Okay. Mm. So I am in the, I'm no opinion, right? So we're an app, but to me, so we're also going to eventually have live events, you know, because we're an HBCU of cannabis. We're like a digital HBCU of cannabis. Put it into oh, that. You okay. know what I'm saying? That's okay. our brand. We're that. paying homage to HBCUs. Okay. So what's the biggest event of the year at an HBCU? Homecoming. Homecoming. Homecoming, that's where people come together. That's where people really have fun. They have a good time. And that's the most memorable time mm-hmm. of their of their existence at an HBCU. It's mm-hmm. always around homecoming. So we want to do live events. And I think live events is going to give us a very unique opportunity because at the end of the day, no matter how you look at it, cannabis is not a product. You're not selling the product, baby. You're selling the experience. And mm-hmm. if you can create magical cannabis experiences, there's no way that you can lose. People are going to want to come back for more. Yeah. They're going to want to come back for more. They're going to tell their friends because the reality is as an app, 
it'll be insane for us to consistently have to put out marketing dollars every single month that's strictly just being Facebook or Instagram, which which we're not even allowed to do. Mm-hmm. YouTube has become a little bit more um, less strict. They allow you to do it if you have a trademark. Luckily, we do. But you have to get really creative in this industry in order for you to reach the people that you want to reach. Look at um, Gorilla RX in L.A. How are they reaching people? You know, that's a black owned, woman owned dispensary. Mm-hmm. Ooh, marketing. They use ooh marketing. They're the inside of their same thing with Josephine and Billy's. The way that it looks, you got to use a password in order. They're creating experience. And, you know, one of the things I think is really important, like literally the um, CEO of which Rosie, Rosie had this um, interview with Troy and she talked and about. And she's talking about Rosie Matteo, by the way, our yeah. amazing CEO. <laughs> <laughs> so Rosie talked about this with Troy and he talked about how everybody loves Chick-fil-A and I love me some Chick-fil-A. Mm-hmm. But why and when, when you say Troy, you're talking about Troy Dratcher. Yeah, t- yeah, Troy, and which is which he's the first black man of a public cannabis mm-hmm. company. Mm-hmm. That's huge. About times. It's, it's huge, and it's still one of those things Major. that I have to ha- be like open mouth for because it's like we're in 2021. Why are we still having first black? First yeah. First Latino, anything. Mm-hmm. Why in 2021? Mm-hmm. But you know, he said that the reason why people love Chick Fil A so much is because Chick Fil A provides a consistent experience, right? mm. and it's a consistent experience anywhere you go. Whether you're in Florida, whether you're in Tennessee, whether you're in California, it's consistent across the boards. That's true. So consumers are going to be looking for cannabis brands that are consistent. And let's be real. A lot of these brands go into different markets and the weed becomes trash. It becomes trash because you're using a new grower. It's not consistent. There's no consistency. I don't find consistency when you're creating things at mass, you're mass producing things. You're Mm -hmm. never going to be consistent. That's across the board. That's Mm -hmm. across the board. So when you see a lot of these craft growers really creating and cultivating like brands that people love, it's because they have consistency. Now, what about the people who are just getting into the industry, right? Like where you you talked about those who, you know, may have been in it for a little while, a little while. But like, what about those who are just getting into it? Like, how would they start if they're trying to market, you know, cannabis or, or, or whatnot, like in terms of like speaking, quote unquote, your customer's language, right, to authentically engage with them? Where do you start if you're new to cannabis or marketing? So one of the things I always do, um, which I think anyone should do, whether it's cannabis or not for any business, is I create a user persona. Who mm-hmm. is the person that and, that, you know, I create a fake name. Who is the person that I'm looking to have come into my company and purchase from me? Mm-hmm. So I create a profile of this person and that's where you need to start. Who do you, you need to if you don't know who you serve, you're not going to be able to speak their language. Where do they hang out? Are they on Twitter? Do they prefer email? Do they prefer phone calls? Do they prefer live events? How old are they? What influencers do they like? Do they like Beyonce or are they a Rihanna girl? They're part of the Navy. You know, (laughs) these are things you have to know. 
Because if you don't, and, and the, 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 the thing about the cannabis industry that I've noticed is that a lot of these companies don't know who they serve. Mm. Like y'all make brands for people like you. And it's not about you at the end of the day. Everybody smokes weed or how I like to say reefer. Everybody smokes reefer. Like for you to paint this brush on a person for your brand, you have to know the type of person that you serve. Maybe you don't serve the person who likes high levels of TAC. You serve the person who rather have a light buzz before they go to sleep or they like to have a light buzz after dinner. So you're creating products for them. That's me. But I like you, the light buzz. <laughs> <laughs> you like the you like the wine, you know, because you, you know some people like the wine buzz because I call it the wine yes. buzz. The wine be creeping little... up on you. You know, mm-hmm, creeping mm-hmm. up on you, you go, you fall asleep. Let it simmer. Yeah, that's what I like too. <laughs> so if you don't, if you're not doing your research about the person that you serve, and you're you're not looking into it in depth, because you have not only should you know the psychographics. And the demographics, you have to know the psychographics. You need to understand, you have to get into this person's brain. Mm. Selling is psychology at the end of the day. People buy because of emotions, whether it's them being happy, whether it's being them being sad. You know, like I had to tell black, you know, black folks, every time we smoke, we'd be like, man, my nerves bad. (laughs) You'd be like, your nerves bad. But the reality is, you know, we have an endocannabinoid system that you might be depressed. And the weed is why you you smoke a weed because of the depression, baby. That's Mm -hmm. what it is. Yeah. Break it down. Yeah. But that's not what we call it because we don't know. Mm-hmm. We don't have the language behind it. But you know the language behind it. But you know your customer is smoking this weed because they nerves bad. So how are you going to create an experience for that person who came home from work? Because that's that used to be me. Like, I used to come home from work from a long day. Baby, you know, I got that little roach from the road from beforehand. Because, you know, I mean, <laughs> you got that little roach for the road. When you on your way home, you in traffic. You got your... <laughs> This might be the funniest interview so oh far. Oh my god! Yeah, this might this might be number one. <laughs> yeah, and the realest. But you know what I'm saying? You in traffic? You got your little roach? You on your way home? You had a long day? Your boss was bothering you because she ain't know how to open up a PDF, and you just had it <laughs> up here. And you just had it up here. Chelsea's like that happened the other day. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> That is a weekly occurrence for me. And I have my vape next to my uh, desk at all times. (laughs) (laughs) That used to happen to me. And I'm like, if you trying to sell me weed, you know what I'm saying? How are you going to talk to me? So that's how you have to look at it. And that's how I look at cannabis. And that's how I look at how we're building out Candolution. And that's how I think if you're just starting out, you need to be, who is your tribe? Who do you serve? Who is your community? And if you tell me everybody, then you need to go find something else to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. X. Because yeah. it's not. You don't serve everyone. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a great point. Just looking at mainstream direct-to-consumer brands, I think all the conversations are around like, who has like the strongest consumer community, right? It's all, I feel like every DDC company is hiring like a community manager these days. And I think all of that plays into that. And I hope cannabis can actually reach that level at some point, right? Mm-hmm. I think you we have to a certain degree when you look at cookies. Cookies has yes. a very mm-hmm. strong Oh yeah, community. that's you know, true. You know, yeah. cookies ain't going nowhere. You know, 
you can do what you want. Cookies, I, I don't even think that cookies would be bought out. It wouldn't make no sense. Like the brand is like outrageous. And if it did get bought out, who would you sell to? Mm-hmm. You know, that's where I look at it. Like cookies has a, a insane brand, but why is it memorable? Like when I created my logo for this company, the first thing, like when, when I started looking for the graphic designer, one of the graphic designers that I was interested in hiring, the first thing she asked me was like, you know, I was like, you know, this is for, this is like an HBCU, it's for black and brown people. So the first thing she asked me, she was like, how black do you want it to be? Because a lot of times, you know, hmm. people don't want to put their culture into what they're doing. And I think that's a huge mistake. And I was like, I'm blackity black, so I wanted to be black. Mm, that's real, because I, be I mean, that's a real question. Did, did you want Tiger Woods black? Or did you want Juicy J black? I need Juicy J black, because I'm from the hood. Um, You know what I'm saying? Well, there like, you have it. I'm from the hood. Like, I it's want levels. Juicy J black. <laughs> so, like, how, how black did you want it? We have a fist coming out through a cannabis leaf. That's our... And that's our logo. And that fist to me, when I thought about Candolution, because when um, when I remember, I don't know if y'all listen to Solange, because I love me some Solange. Love Solange. Um, but Solange, you know, on her second album, she got Master P talking on some of mm-hmm. the um, songs. And he was talking about his grandfather who told him he has to own something. Right. And he was like, his grandfather asked him, why did you call No Limit, No Limit? He was like, because I ain't got no limits. Mm-hmm. So why yep. did I call Cantalution Cantalution? Because we're going to revolutionize this industry. I love because it. Because we're going to revolutionize. It's a revolution. Mm-hmm. We are the solution. We are yes. the cannabis HBCU that's going to create that solution and that revolution to make sure that this industry on a global scale is equitable. Because mm-hmm. we have a lot of work to do. And if we don't start getting this work done now, I'm very silver. Like we know federal legalization is literally creeping at the door. We might have federal legalization by the end of 2025, easily. Mm-hmm. Depending on what, we know Biden ain't here for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I want, I want He's a flip basket. <laughs> yeah. You know, Biden ain't here for it, unfortunately, yeah. whatever the case may be. But the next president might be. That's 2024. Yeah. And so you have a lot to think about within this time frame, And if you are a person who are looking to start a business in cannabis and you tell yourself, yo, like I'm sold. This is when I told myself I was sold and this is what I want to do. I was like that. I said in my room, cause I get into these points in my life. Like I'm, I'm the worst. Like when I think about an idea, I'm like, Oh snap, this is so gangster. I go and buy the domain name. So I owned like almost 50 domain names. <laughs> oh <laughs> interesting okay i owned like i collect domain domain names all the time and like my new thing is collecting blockchain domain domain oh my god huh yeah you did okay. say you were into crypto wow i mean you're yeah. a modern like, entrepreneur I'm a, I'm a defy crypto blockchain girl all that i'm into all of that i'm like when i say tech like i just don't code but like yes i'm heavy duty in the tech industry um but my new thing is buying blockchain domains Um, Why am I buying blockchain domains? Because the blockchain is a huge conversation and Facebook just created Meta. Facebook didn't rebrand after 10 years into Meta for no goddamn reason. They're Mm -hmm. clearly doing it because they know what they want to do within the next decade, which is Mm -hmm. rule the metaverse. So how does 
anybody else's business looks like that. I don't know what the hell I'm going to do with these blockchain domains, but I'm going to figure it out. I'll figure it out later. That's the type of person that I am. If you're not a person that is quick on your feet and ready to move and execute, you're not going to survive in this industry. And that was the one thing that I can say, like, I'm glad that I'm that type of person because when the opportunity presented itself for me to be able to create this company, I was like, bet, put me in the game, coach. <laughs> put me in the game. Like, I'm a real Carisha Brownlee city girl straight from Miami, Florida. Put me in the game, coach. Well, you it seems like you're recreating the game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, hopefully we are. Because I want to make it to where I'm the one playing the shots. At the end of the day, like, if you're an MSO and we're a technology cannabis company, you can't come to me and tell me what you want. You need to ask me how I want to work with you. Because if I don't, I'm not going to say if I don't like you, but like, if I'm not, I'm not fond of your practices, I'm going to make sure I let my audience know, like, this. at the end of the day, your bottom line is attached to your CSR, your corporate social responsibility, whether you want to believe it or not, because consumers shop with their they, with their hearts. I'm not going to put my dollar into a company that's mm-hmm. doing some illegal practices that I don't play with. No, that's not going to happen. <clears throat> and, you know, black people don't play them games anymore. We like there was such a huge interest in black people supporting other black businesses when the whole situation about George Floyd happened. Mm-hmm. And for me, I felt like it created that perfect storm. Right now, I feel like Candolution is literally, time. we don't talk enough about timing. If I would have came out with Candolution in 2016, we wouldn't have, it wouldn't have worked out. It worked out because this is the perfect storm and it's the perfect timing. Right now, 4.4 million Americans left their jobs. And even though a lot of people think that people are leaving their jobs because, oh, they just don't want to work. They just want to collect unemployment. No, we're tired of you. We're, we're over your shit. Like, we, yeah. we're, we are tired. Um, we don't want to deal with your toxic work culture anymore. Um, I'm not your homie. I'm not your family. Like y'all be saying, we're family. No, we're not. Because my pay don't translate to family, baby. No. A lot of people got tired of the people that they were working for. And even though I wasn't tired in the industry that I was in, like, I love my boss. I was, I was traveling the world. You know what I'm saying? I was, Yada was fun for me. But mm-hmm. I understood that it was time for me to move on. Like, this is the next chapter in my life. And this is what I'm very passionate about. And I know if I, I do it the right way, Candolution can be, you know, like, looking at what we can possibly create and what we can do. Because we're not just an ed tech platform, we're a social networking ed tech platform. Because not only do we want to provide you the resources for you to understand, but we want to connect you to one another so that you can collaborate and create empires. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, if we're connecting people worldwide within the diaspora, somebody in the United States might end up finding a partner in Africa and they'd be like, yo, I'm out. That's true. I've literally met, I've met a guy, African-American guy, young, Nehemiah Douglas, shout out to him, GGC Cannabis. He owns mm-hmm. 200, over 200 acres in Colombia with medical licenses. Mm-hmm. And it was much cheaper for entry. A wow. lot of black and brown people are right. stuck on the United States. And it's like, bro, the world is your oyster. You right. can go wherever you want in this, because this industry is worldwide. It's an international game. And if you really want to play, you don't have to wait on the United States. 
And I think that's the biggest problem that we have. Like we keep waiting for the right moment. It ain't no right moment. Jump. Mm -hmm. Do it now. Do it now. Well, on that note, um, I mean, we could listen to you forever and you are a wealth of knowledge. I know, but I think you have helped a lot of listeners, uh, hopefully um, even really, you know, get a lot of industry stakeholders in line about what needs to be done. Um, So now that the serious part of our uh, conversation is over, um, we're going to jump into I Got Five, which is the fun part of our segment where we ask the fun questions. So... Uh, these are rapid fire questions. Um, first one is indica or sativa? Um, both. You know, I like me an indica when I'm about to go to sleep. Cause I'm mm-hmm. like, I smoke morning. So me and my sister, like, cause me and my star roommates. So like, I'm normally up around like five in the morning. So I oh smoke. Early for my blood. I smoke like five in the morning with my sister. You know, we call it our train departure. <laughs> nice clever okay we call it our train departures we smoke we talk so you know during that time we normally have a sativa but during the nighttime, you know when i do have a smoke it's normally an indica so i would say both makes total sense flower edible or concentrate i'm a flower girl always and forever classic edibles don't do me justice at all like (laughs) i just mm. fair if you had to pick one slang term for cannabis to use for the rest of your life. Which one would it be? Reefa. I had a feeling. It's a good one. <laughs> it's a whole yeah. Good. yeah, yeah. I think that's like a first too. I don't think anyone's brought that up yet. Uh, I don't think so. All the all the black folks are always saying it. That's true. true. <laughs> that's very true. Where's my Reefa? Um, if you could smoke with any celeb, dead or alive, who would it be and why? Rihanna. I- it's either Rihanna or Beyonce. Cause Beyonce just be looking, she think we don't know, but she be in them pictures and she just be looking <laughs> like she got that good, good. Like she got that really loud pack. And you know, I know Rihanna got some good stuff in her. her oh story. yeah. She literally like has a thousand pictures online with her smoking. So yeah, yes, sure. I'm sure she does. Yeah. <laughs> and finally, if you could have your own special brand of weed, what would you name it and why? The love below. Ooh. I, so one of the things that I wanted to do, so before I even thought about cannabis tech, I like, I was everybody else. I thought I was going to be a dispensary owner back in 2016. And, you know, I wanted to start like this subscription service, but I wanted to start a weed subscription service specifically for couples. I don't think people realize like how, like me and my boyfriend, we will, that's our love language. We will literally roll up a joint, smoke outside and paint and even though we don't talk because he's a he's really an artist like my boyfriend he does he makes music he makes beats and like he does graffiti so and I paint like painting Mm -hmm. is something that I picked up as a habit like three years ago so you know we come together we paint and like every time we do it's it's very sensual it's a sensual time and I think a lot of couples would enjoy a brand that is specifically for them that allows them to have time together allows them to really sit down and be together and even if you're not talking or speaking like vibe is there it's just there Mm, I love that. Yeah. I think smoking weed is all about vibes. I know somebody For can sure. steal that. 
but I know somebody's gonna steal that, so don't so don't steal it. <laughs> well, you have maybe about two months before this episode goes live, so yeah, I suggest so, you get yeah, on it. So you're gonna trademark it. You're gonna get a lawyer. Gonna I own the domain that. name. See, there you go. You, you already did the first step. Keep it going. Oh my god. I feel like you're one of those people who's like always on. Like you're up, you mm-hmm. like wake up at two in the morning, you like buy a domain name, have an idea. Your <laughs> name up, I bet, is just popping off. No, for sure. I am. I think you guys have one more question. Well, oh, no. the last question was, yes. how do our listeners get in contact with you? Because I'm sure they're going to want to hit you up after this. Oh, sure. Um, you can hit me up. So I'm taking like a social media fast right now because um, we're like, <laughs> no, for real. Because like right now we're like pre-raise. We're going into a $2 million mm. fundraising in January. Awesome. Oh, nice. so, Fingers yeah. crossed. Good vibes sent up. Yes, yeah. I'm, I'm accepting it. I receive, I receive. Um, so, you know, they can find me on Twitter at Martine F. Pierre, which is my first name, F, which is my middle, and then Pierre. Or you can find me on Instagram, Martine Francis Pierre, which is my full name. Perfect. Wonderful. Well, thanks, Martine. It's been a blast having you on, and we can't wait to see what happens with you and uh, your company in the future. We're excited. Thank you. And thank you for so much for having me, you guys. Thanks again for listening to High Priority. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Special thanks to Antoine Dry, Donald Edwards, and Jim Pryor from Dirty Soap Entertainment for our intro music. To learn more about our show and parent company, Matteo Communications, head on over to our website at matteo.com. That's M-A-T-T-I-O.com. 